Looks like it's kind of lagging, but I can see people joining in, connecting. How are you doing, Jacob? Looks like you're connected. How's it going, dude? I am right now. You got me on the uh, the collectibles hype, and I'm right now watching the countdown for the goblins drop in oh, 34 man. seconds. I, I've been wishy-washy, like if I want to admit, like 10 or 30, but I don't know. I'm going to get at least 10. Nice. I, I think I'm going to go with five, and I have a buddy on the, the drive up since we're leaving tomorrow morning, so I think I'm going to grab him a couple, too. Fifteen seconds. I'm pretty excited. It's interesting. I think Eric's connection keeps timing out. So yesterday we had this weird issue that people started to talk, and then they would go mute, and then they would have to reconnect to like be able to speak. Oh, we're live. Oh my god, they're selling out like hotcakes. Yeah, gas looks like way fun. What? Gas is 533 bucks. Okay, maybe I'm not grabbing. Yeah, ga <laughs> gas looks wrong. Uh, total price is $1,100 to mint one. <sighs> That's rough. Let's see. Is it changing? It's going up now. Yo, what's up, guys? I think I'm finally good. That it was took a while. It, Twitter space is at its absolute finest. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was. It just would not connect, but I think I'm good to go. Yeah, these goblins are fucked. So if I want to mint 10, it's telling me it's going to be like 1.5 ETH in gas. Oh, that is rough. You know, I might have to pass on this because it's <laughs> steadily climbing. But hell yeah, I'm excited to listen in. Eric, you're a very talented guy, and I'm stoked to hear more about it. I remember that first uh, first sale, the the surfer one. Dude, that is a, a burner and a half. So, Thanks. That was still like one of the best nights that I've ever had as a photographer. It was uh, kind of one of the first nights after I'd committed to quitting my engineering job and pursuing photography. So that was kind of something I always look back on as one of like the big turning points in my career that kind of pushed me forward. Damn, that is really cool. It would, did it felt like a payoff, kind of like in the right direction to get a huge burn after a, a kind of a scary moment like that? Yeah, it was just one of those nights, you know, where uh, it's completely overcast and you're not really sure if anything's going to come of it. And then kind of just patience pays off. And it was one of those ones that lit up like 10 or 20 minutes after the sun had gone down when I was kind of getting ready to turn back. So I think that's kind of a good metaphor to photography in general when you're kind of unsure how things are going to turn out a lot of times the patience pays off Dude, that's huge that's like such a big part that uh of the whole landscape game is like you got to be very very patient yeah i think you also have to be comfortable striking out a lot i mean i think i've probably learned just as much on the nights or the shoots where i kind of had a lot of expectations in my head or I was planning on getting a certain type of shot and then it didn't turn out the way I expected. Um, I almost think those are equally valuable in the long run as the days when kind of everything lines up perfectly because I don't really think you appreciate the good until you have kind of the flip side of the equation as well. Dude, so true. I see that your, your banner has a, a couple of them. Um, I don't want to start just jumping in, though, as the questions. I'm just interested in your art side, so Dee's always feels free to, to ask <laughs> no, anything. I mean, but... I, the thing I like about this is, like, I'd rather you ask the more pointed questions because I still feel, like, really ignorant towards the whole space. And it's like I went through Eric's Instagram for an hour this morning, and I can just get lost in everything. But, like, my... <laughs> 
my point of view and my uh, ability to ask good questions based off my knowledge is not nearly as good as yours. So, like, that's why I have all these people up here to, you know, just throw in whatever you want. Like, I'm not, I'm not moderating at all. Like, just do whatever you want. Yesterday in one of your spaces, D's, I'm pretty sure you did talk for like three hours. <laughs> and you were like, that's cool that everyone can just keep talking and I don't even really need to be there. So that's kind of funny. I had an hour of work calls in there and I just like had yeah. the phone on mute and just let it go because I know the people in there and I know the talk will be productive even if I don't hear it. So, but that's not what, yeah, I'm, doing. That's not what I'm doing here. I'm tuned in. I'm not, I, know. I don't want that to be the thing. I'm not working or anything. I'm just, I'm just saying like it's a free-for-all sweet hell yeah eric do you want to I, I you're a traveling guy like you, you definitely spend a lot of time in places that are harder to get to um and you're from socal how did that kind of happen did you were you a traveler before a photographer um yeah quite a bit i'll give just a little bit on my backstory because it's a very i think like untraditional path to where i am today but maybe some people can connect with different parts of my journey along the way. So I started off and my goal in life was to be a professional tennis player. So from the time when I was like one or two years old till when I was probably 21, I played two, three, four hours of tennis like every single day. And that was kind of like all I cared about in life. Um, so I pushed really hard towards that. And that actually had me traveling a lot to tournaments around the world. And I think that kind of spurred an interest in photography for me. I just didn't really know it at the time. But I kind of look back on that and I remember going to certain places and always kind of like seeing different memories in my head. I had never picked up a camera or anything, but that definitely inspired um, a love for travel. And when I went to college, I went to school at UCSD in San Diego and it's a pretty tough school. So I kind of decided I was going to play sports, but I also realized like if I was going to school, I just want to try to get like the hardest degree that I could. I thought that that was like at least the smartest thing to do at the time. And I figured if I couldn't, you know, get the degree that I was going for, then I would kind of take a step down and try something else. So I just literally looked at a list of the degrees and I think the top one was biochemical engineering. And I was like, nope, not doing that. And then the second one was electrical engineering. And I was like, okay, my, I think my grandpa was an electrical engineer. So I just decided to kind of go all in on that route while I played sports. Um, so I graduated with a degree in electrical engineering I played tennis on the tennis team and uh, won an NCAA title my junior year. So that was kind of like the pinnacle, I guess, of sports. And then after I graduated, I very briefly tried to play professional tennis, but I kind of just got to the point where I realized I wasn't going to make it. And it was at the point of diminishing returns where I just decided to take the degree and run with that. So I went off to be an engineer. And so sort of my second career in life, I'm an engineer and working in San Diego. And every single day after work, I had an hour or two just to kill. So I would go to the beach every single day after work, like literally every single day. The first thing I would do is hop in my car, get there as quick as I could and take as much advantage of the hours of sunlight that I had. And I remember I just got lucky because it was right when Instagram came out. So I would take sunset photos and I would post them. Never had taken... Um, a shot on like a DSLR or a camera before I was just doing it kind of for fun as like a little after work hobby. And it was just like a right place at the right time kind of thing where it started snowballing. I started getting more followers and I didn't ever really have a plan with it. I still kind of in my head thought I was always going to be an electrical engineer. Um, but yeah, I just, it started growing kind of snowballing from there. I remember 
the first real breakthrough for me was when I got to, I think, 40,000 followers or so. And that was kind of a big number, like way, way back in like the early days of Instagram. I had um, Jordan Board of Tourism reach out to me. So it was the first time another country had reached out for me to come visit and do, I guess, kind of like one of the first media trips in the social media space. And on that trip, it was just like such an eye-opening and life-changing experience for me. It was going to Wadi Rum. It was Petra at night. It was the Dead Sea. And at the very end of the trip, I got to meet the Queen of Jordan. And I think I went back from that experience and my head was just like completely blown. It was like almost like the aha moment where I realized brands and a lot of companies were spending a lot of money in this space or it seemed like the snowball was starting to roll. And so I went home with like a whole new different attitude and I just started going like really hard. Like I upgraded my gear. I started shooting a ton more. Um, I started trying to go to national parks and try to get like different looking stuff than I'd ever gotten before. And yeah, that, that's like kind of, I guess the start of my journey and it's, it's kind of gone a lot of different directions from there, but that's kind of uh, how I started photography and kind of just what drove me to shoot vivid colors and sunsets and that kind of aspirational stuff that I would kind of hope for when I was sitting at my desk at the end of the day. Dude, that is awesome. That's cool to hear the the sports background too. Um, I would love to hear you talk about like how that influenced you because dude, let's be honest, you got like 3k posts on IG. You, you put in some work. That's a lot of editing. I, I just imagine you've probably taken some photos down over time and, to like have that many planned items of releasing, like you've shot for years. So like, do you feel like sports <laughs> kind of affected how you came about photography? Have you like constantly be just putting in a lot of effort and that kind of repetition style to develop where you are now? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think sports is good in the sense that it teaches you to be dedicated and driven towards something that you're pursuing. Um, the one thing that I feel like I kind of missed out on was I played an individual sport. So for me, I kind of always missed like the team aspect of sports. Um, and then like now, obviously when you have your own business and you're kind of doing photography, of course, you're sometimes traveling with friends and doing work with them. But at the end of the day, it is kind of a solo business. So that is one thing that I enjoyed a lot about my engineering job was that I was on a team. We were kind of working towards a common goal. We were building something long-term so that's something I really try to pay attention to now when I'm sourcing jobs is I'm trying to find long-term partners. Um, of course, like a company will reach out on like a one-time thing. There's a lot of one-off jobs, but the ones that turn out really well, I'm always trying to approach them and figure out how I can turn it into a longer-term partnership. So right now I have a long-term partnership with United Airlines. I shoot all their digital um, and social content. Um, I'm on Sony's team with, uh, Dave, who's on stage up now. What up, Dave? Uh, incredible photographer, too. I'm sure everyone's familiar with his work. Um, I shoot a lot for Callaway. I'm signed with them, so a lot of uh, golf stuff. And, yeah, just uh, that's kind of in a nutshell. Um, I guess what sports taught me is to be driven, to, to give everything you got towards what you're pursuing. Um, and yeah, that's probably the best answer I can give for that one. Hi, Eric. What's up, man? I hope you had a good trip. Thanks, Dave. Yeah, great, great trip. Uh, it's definitely interesting traveling with a baby. I will say that. <laughs> it's 
for those of you who don't know, I had a baby uh, about three and a half months ago. So some of the jobs are obviously tough because it's away from her. Um, but luckily, I've been able to bring her on three of the jobs so far. So just trying to navigate that new dynamic of figuring out how to get out and try to like get the best stuff that I can, but also try to like be present with my family. And like, obviously she's too young to have memories at this point in time, but still you want to like make it an enjoyable experience if you're going to bring a baby. So yeah, I'm still trying to figure that one out. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious with, with those years of shooting um, and the NFT world, you know, you coming into that space and now being on super rare, what was like the, the curation aspect in terms of picking the shots that you either kind of just resonated with, or do you feel like, you know, you pick something that would be like your biggest visual appeal because you just have such a, like a, a library of, of stuff from like just a lot of categories and a lot of places. And you kind of went with this tropics more like, you know, Island-esque, like that recent shot you just put up, like that is a, as a wild one. What, what made you land on that versus the other places you've been? Yeah, so I wanted to be, I thought like long and hard about how I was going to kind of enter this space. And I think for me over the last couple of years, I've become very attached to writing and telling stories. And I feel like a long time I was just trying to crank out the photos and the caption, like the story behind it was secondary. I was just trying to take the best photo I could. And I've been really trying to focus on telling that story. I feel like as photographers, I mean, everyone on stage who's a photographer knows like there's so much effort that goes into actually getting the photo that people don't see. I feel like there's planning, you know, you, you have to camp places a lot of the time. You're going on long hikes. You're setting up for sunrise. Maybe something doesn't work out, but there's, there's so much storytelling that goes into the back end of getting a picture. And I feel like if you just write a one sentence caption, you just kind of lost your chance to tell that story. So that's something I always try to focus on and really I love seeing when other photographers like write or at least share kind of like the back end of all those experiences that make the picture so special so for me when I when I first launched on foundation I decided to kind of start at the beginning of my photography career they weren't the most recent shots or like the ones that I've kind of shot um like I guess my most epic pictures of the last couple of years these are ones that are from a little ways ago, but they're probably like the most important shots in my career because they made me want to be a photographer. So that was kind of how I started off for the first few. And I wrote a lot about just different lessons I learned with each one and why it was kind of um, so instrumental into making me the person I am today. And then on Super Rare, I had to rethink things. So I decided to really do a deep dive into like what I enjoy doing in photography, which is traveling like capturing the different colors and stories of each destination. So I decided to take a more destination-based destination, destination based approach to drops. So I think what I'm going to do, at least the plan moving forward, is this first collection on Super Rare is going to be kind of my French Polynesia collection. I've been quite a few times over the last three years, and it's kind of one of the destinations where I feel like I've put in such time, like researching remote islands and getting to spots I haven't really seen photographed too much. And so that was kind of the destination that made sense for me to launch with um, first from a travel perspective. And then I'm going to kind of just proceed. I don't know. I mean, I don't want to like say exactly like what I'm going to do like a year or so down the road. Um, I feel like it always just kind of changes just based on what you feel in the moment. But right now I'm kind of driven to focus on like one destination at a time and kind of tell the story of that destination through a few pictures and then move on to the next one.
Hey, Eric. This is Omar. Uh, Omar, what's up, man? <laughs> I'm doing good. <laughs> awesome. Uh, beautiful photo, man. And, and congratulations on getting the bit uh, started by none other than Norcal. Uh, that's amazing, man. So um, um, just a quick question, if you if you don't mind answering. And, and you don't have to, because I, I know not everyone would love to you know, reveal their you know, secrets. But... Uh, I'm curious as to how you achieve this vantage point in in in, in, in the in the in the image. Sorry, um, it's a really interesting uh, point of view. That it's yeah. Just just can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, of course. And um, feel free to ask like anything. Like I I believe in transparency, and I I don't feel like I have anything to hide when it comes to shooting or editing. Like I don't think anything that I do is necessarily. <laughs> like proprietary or groundbreaking. So yeah, like when it comes to the shot, um, I shot it with a drone right after sunrise. I feel like in that destination, one thing that I learned is the moment of sunrise or sunset, typically the sun hasn't hit the water quite yet. So the water's pretty dark. Um, so I waited kind of right after that moment where there's still color, but the sun had kind of caught the lagoon. So that's why you can kind of see the radiant blue um, coming through the coral reefs down there. And obviously the sun's kind of hitting the trees. And um, yeah, it's probably about 100 feet up. Um, that location no longer allows drones. So I'm glad I got it when I did. I mean, I'm sure you could try to do a sneak attack and no one's going to be up that early in the morning. But um, I went back and tried to get another similar looking thing last year. And uh, they were pretty adamant that I could no longer repeat that shot. So I guess I'm glad I got it when I did. <laughs> hey, what's awesome. up, Eric? Hey, what's up, Eric? This is David. Um, there's a bunch to say about like creative blocks and photography and just like working with how you stay motivated and obviously you've had a really long career and it's been successful. I was just wondering when you do have that creative block, like how do you get around it? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I think for me, the one thing that I always try to do is I pivot to a different industry. Um, so for a long time, I was obviously shooting beaches and mountains and kind of travel based stuff. And then as my career kind of got a little more commercial, I realized I could kind of steer my style towards different industries that maybe people don't traditionally work in. So that's when I started going, like, for instance, during COVID last year, um, obviously travel was hit incredibly hard. And a lot of the companies who I'd worked with and a lot of the kind of things I had been setting up for the previous couple of years all kind of just fell apart or got put on hold. So I was kind of bummed for a little bit, but I saw it as an opportunity to maybe go to an industry that was doing well at the time. And I read that golf was just blowing up. So I used that as an opportunity to go reach out to Callaway and build a relationship with them and shoot something that I had never really shot before, um, which is kind of sports and shooting golf from like an aspirational travel eye. So I guess, yeah, my, my best answer to that is obviously we all have a style or we all have kind of something that we're used to shooting. That's kind of our bread and butter but there's probably a lot of different industries that you've never even really thought about pivoting to, or at least applying your style to. So, I mean, I never thought I would be a plane photographer and this United partnership is like my, my biggest kind of job I've ever gotten in my life. So who would have thought like I'd be, I'd be shooting planes on a runway, not something you would think of first when you look at my feed, but it's something that 
you know, is the really the gateway to travel. So it's something that naturally you think would fit. Um, but yeah, something I just never thought I would do. So that's kind of how things can feel fresh. Um, just try to get out of your comfort zone, get, get to something you've never done before, but find a way to make it familiar for yourself. So you're just not lost. Did that I answer was... the, did I answer the question at all? It's kind of a kind of an indirect answer, but um, yeah, I would just I would just encourage people just in general to try things they've never done before. I mean, there's there's so many different industries out there, so many different styles of photography, and I feel like you'll never know what you gravitate towards until you go try new things, and you may find a new way to shoot that thing. So, for instance, like portraits is one thing like I just have never really gravitated towards but I've been doing more shoots for this clothing brand called Travis Matthew, which is like a big golf brand. And a lot of the stuff is like headshots, but for some reason, like I've just been loving doing that because it just feels so fresh and new and I'm trying to find a way to do it in my style. And I think that is just how you kind of ease into a new space that you're maybe not comfortable with. Yeah, that totally makes sense. Sorry. I'm like literally shaving my face right now. My finger. <laughs> so it hey, multi-multitasking baby. I love yeah. To do it. <laughs> Yeah, Eric, that's really awesome to listen to. I've done something kind of similar to you. I've started in landscape photography and then not necessarily getting bored with it or anything, but I've kind of gravitated towards other industries as well. So the first thing I started doing was um, like outdoor gear. So just like you, I also don't really do portraits. It's not something that I feel like I'm strong in or really want to develop in, in that industry, but if I need to take a picture of a backpack or, you know, a sleeping bag and a tent with people in it, like I feel super creative in that sense. But if I'm just going to take like someone's senior portraits, I, I don't really feel, I, at least I, I don't know how to make it creative in that way. So I think that's really cool that you've done such crazy stuff like planes and golf and all that. I've also gotten into um, taking pictures of beer and the way that I work it in with my style is I'll take photos of like people drinking beer outside when we're camping or like on a climbing trip or something like that. So I kind of like put my twist on it. And all these companies that I work for are all local to Salt Lake, which is where I'm based out of. So I think it's really fun and you can kind of make it your own. So I think that's really cool what you do. And my question is, where what where next what do you think you'll get into next if you is there something that you haven't gotten into that you really want to or are you just gonna see where it takes you yeah it's a great question I, I love to hear that you're you know experimenting with new things I think that landscape photography is such a good backbone to so many other industries I mean you can shoot tourism boards you can shoot for resorts you can shoot auto you can shoot clothing you can shoot so many different things um, just based on a kind of fundamental understanding of telling the story of a destination or putting a product in a destination. So I think that's always a really good thing for people to start with when they're getting into photography and it just opens up so many different doors like you're finding out. Um, for, me, for me next, that's a great question. Um, I think kind of going back to what I said about trying to build long-term relationships, that's like my biggest priority. So what I did probably about two years ago, which helped me a lot was I made a list of kind of all the categories that I wanted to shoot and work in. So we got resorts, we got airlines, we got auto, we got clothing, we got food and beverage, um, electronics. 
So I made a list of like five companies who were kind of my dream clients in each of those industries. And the way I kind of strategized it was I just want one really good long-term partner in each of those categories so they don't compete with each other. So that's been something I've been working towards the last couple years is just getting one like really good long-term relationship. So for airlines, I got United for electronics. I got Sony for sports, you know, it would be Callaway. Um, and that's just kind of how I've, how I've approached it. Um, I don't really have like any clients or any like dream jobs I want to do. I think more of the priority for me is just to keep building just like a really solid relationship with the partners that I have now and just try to figure out how I can help them, um, get the best stuff that they can. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Hey, Eric. Ravi. Ravi, how's it going, buddy? <laughs> What's up, man? I'm so stoked for you, bro. I'm I'm just like really happy that you moved into this space and this is just going, you know, this is amazing that you dropped these pieces and everything. And I'm just super stoked you got a bid uh, from NorCal. All of this is just really, I'm just psyched for you, dude. So congrats, first Thank of all. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, dude. Uh, this is, yeah, just phenomenal. Um, as a, you know, we've crossed paths throughout the years and uh you know been on boats together almost falling into the water with our sony gear at the time um <laughs> all these like awesome places we've seen each other in the world uh one thing as a as another travel landscape photographer etc um who didn't i didn't do sports either it's funny that you're doing callaway and i love that because i i never even really played sports growing up and then i ended up shooting so many like photos for nike that at this point like <laughs> that's the only reason i know anything about sports um, but one thing has been really important to me as a, as a photographer has always been color and how color helps us storytell and draws you in and, and gives you like another vision because we have control over that as a photographer often, which is not everything in the picture we have control over, but it's the color or the edit or the things that we do once we have already taken the photo. Um, it becomes our, as, especially with landscapes, it comes, that's our sauce, our, special formula so i'd love to hear your thoughts on your colors since i love your vibrancy and everything else and just kind of how you approach it and how you see color yeah first off i will say i love your nike work um i've seen like your built to run stuff and all the stuff you shop for them and it's it's such incredible stuff um so props on that i mean that's like a dream dream client um yeah, color. Color is like an, an incredible thing. I mean, it's kind of the backbone to my work. So for me, when I was starting off, obviously as someone who jammed to shoot the sunset every day, I was always blown away by the, just the colors of the sunsets in Southern California. And for me, when I was trying to develop and find my editing style, I just thought it, I saw a lot of artists finding success on Instagram by having like really uniform work and just having like very consistent color theory and all of their work was just always dialed into the same tones. I mean, the people who do that, I'm just blown away by how everywhere they go in the world, their stuff always looks so consistent. Um, and that was just something I've always kind of like, I don't know if I want to say shied away from, but I just, I struggled to understand like how I could do that. Maybe just cause I was never trained formally in the arts or in photography or any of that stuff. Um, but for me, I kind of just always approached every single picture I took, every sunset I took, every trip I went on as a blank canvas. Um, I obviously have styles that I gravitate towards, which I guess is like kind of neon colors or really bright, vibrant light. Um, so I kind of always 
thought about how I could emphasize that. And I just thought it was kind of a shame just seeing like these incredible sunsets if I were to mute them or find a way to kind of make them more uniform fit in with each other. I kind of decided to take the opposite approach where I realized everyone on social media just is scrolling through their feeds and has such short attention spans nowadays. I kind of thought, how can I get someone to pause on my picture for even like a second or two? Um, and so I just decided to dance on the knife's edge of how vivid I can make something or how colorful I can make it, how bright I can make it without maybe going over the top. And I'm sure I've gone over the top a lot of times, but that's kind of always the challenge I think about when I'm editing a photo is how do I make this as dramatic as possible without making it seem like it's completely too far-fetched to be real. I love that. That's, uh, yeah, I think the imagination is something that, I, I mean, I do this, you know, the same kind of thought process where it's like, the, I, know, I see your colors and I'm like, I don't care that they're not, you know, maybe the exact colors that came out of the camera or whatever. It's all about your vision as an artist. And I think that you're doing an amazing job kind of keeping that consistency. Um, I know you, you said you struggled with it, but I think that looking at your body of work, I definitely see patterns and things that tie together and it's definitely from your eye as an artist so um you're you're on a great path and i i just feel like even though you're trying to you know incorporate all these different clients and different verticals it's really cool to know that you're doing that from your own perspective as an artist and photographer and i think a lot of people can take a lot of lessons from that when they're growing in their own photo careers and things um from a commercial side as well as you know this new fine art uh, NFT side. So just congrats, dude. And I'm, I'm super stoked to see you on your journey. Thanks. I appreciate it. I think it's really interesting too, how your editing style and the way you shoot drives you towards certain clients, as I'm sure you can speak to. I've had a couple brands that I reached out to that were kind of dream clients. One was an auto one who I got a relationship, like an introduction to. Another one was like a very nice watch company. And they both told me that the style that I shoot and edit is like too colorful for them. So I was like, okay, that's really interesting to note. And then I also had like United told me specifically that the reason why they hired me was because they want me to bring like color and energy into air travel and stuff, which is something, you know, it's a little bit, I don't want to say dull, but I mean like taking pictures of planes, you know, on the runway and taking off and stuff like there's only so much you have to work with. You're not obviously on like a tropical location or on top of a mountain. So you got to try to breathe light into it, energy into it somehow. Um, just funny to me how like the way that you shoot and the way that you approach editing your work kind of steers you towards certain clients and potentially away from others um it's always interesting to me totally agree i think that it's uh i think that this is amazing too to see you have no box anymore right like the clients and the the commercial space and if they do drive you to say oh this is too colorful or not colorful enough sometimes you have to like it's like you, you know, collaborating with that client versus you just doing Eric. And I think that's really cool that you have this outlet to be able to just do Eric and nobody's going to tell you what's too much or too little. Uh, you can just explore and, and do whatever. So uh, I think that's kind of the amazing thing about NFTs. And I'm, I'm stoked to see what doing Eric looks like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I, uh, they definitely know they're not getting black and white with me. That's for sure. <laughs> Uh, Eric, dude, I uh, just wanted to hop in here between uh, people. Um, I had issues at the beginning where I randomly was cutting out, I think it was my Wi-Fi or something. So um, if that's happening again, just let me know. But I just wanted to say congrats on all of your, uh, of course, NFT and uh, commercial success. 
Um, we've known each other for about a few years now, and uh, it's been really inspiring seeing you, you know, um, kill it in pretty much every category. So, um, yeah, no, I mean, this is definitely deserved and um, not surprised at all that, uh, you know, this is working out really well for you. Um, so, yeah, like uh, a kick ass job, man, you know. <laughs> Um, but, um, besides that, you know, I, I, I thought it was really interesting what you guys were just talking about. And there was a, a gig of a client that you and I both had last year. And we talked about this where we got hired for our editing styles and then another super talented, uh, photographer, um, didn't because, you know, their editing style is a little bit different. And I, and I think that that says something. And I think that if you're going to be working on a, a f photography style or whatever that resonates with you, definitely stick with it and don't try to necessarily change your style to get certain clients or whatever, or appeal to certain people. You just want to find those people naturally. And I think that that's something that, um, you know, your work is uh, exemplified by. So um, I think that's something that anyone could learn from. And then in addition to that, um, I kind of wanted to know if, uh, just kind of what's next for you, just sort of like what you're sort of working on, if there's anything you're working on that's, um, you know, of interest or different and, you know, maybe some stuff that you would like to do that's uh, that you have done before, but maybe you'd like to do more of, uh, you know, just uh, that sort of thing, you know? Yeah, Ryan, thanks for uh, for hopping in. I, I've obviously loved your work for years. Um, if anyone hasn't seen, Ryan has a, a couple pieces available right now as well that are absolutely incredible shots from japan I, i've never been there and your work down there is so inspirational and makes me want to go so bad so definitely maybe send it send it up to the top so people can check that out i don't know if you can uh post that up top but i think everyone would uh love to see what you got offered right now um in regards to your question i think for me um obviously dude having a baby is a game changer in life i mean it's it's the greatest thing that's ever happened to me and not obviously looking to commercialize it at all, but I'm trying to think about like how I can bring all these travel experience and, and all these like incredible things that I've got to experience over the years to her eyes. And obviously, like I said earlier, she's too young to realize it now, but I'm just trying to think about like what I've experienced that has changed my view of the world. Like one example I'll give is the first time I went to South Africa and went on safari, I came back from that trip with like, my mind blown. I was like seeing animals in the wild for the first time in the bush. And I was just like, man, I wish I had that experience when I was like six or seven years old versus seeing them in the zoo. I might have like had a completely different outlook on life. So I think for me, it's all about, I feel like pretty fulfilled with how my career is going right now. But the priority for me more is how can I bring my parents on like trips? How can I like bring my wife and daughter on trips. How can I get my friends on jobs with me? How can I like make these experiences about more than just me? So that's something I've been really pitching is like with princess, with the cruises, um, the last cruise I went onto the Caribbean, I got to take my in-laws, my parents, my wife, um, and I got to shoot all of them as models on the campaign. And that was incredible because my parents don't ever travel. So the fact that I actually got them to like get on a cruise ship and go travel was like an infinitely rewarding experience um and just taking like my wife on all the trips that i can get um her on is just much more rewarding than me going on a trip and trying to come home and explain how epic it was like i i learned over time that it's just really not cool coming home from trips and trying to explain to everyone like how much fun you had it's just there's just like a void there so for me it's all about the shared experiences trying to figure out how i can make it about more than myself and trying to help my daughter just have the best life possible
Yeah, that's really awesome. I think that like, you know, it, when you can give back, especially to people that you really care about, it just feels so good. Like I would love to be able to take my parents like somewhere super epic that I've, you know, been able to go and things like that. And, you know, the time that you spend with uh, loved ones is obviously, you know, something you should definitely cherish. Um, so that's really awesome, man. I think that that's also like super, um, super awesome. It's something that a lot of people should lead by example, you know? And uh, while I'm still like, quote unquote, hogging the stage here, I actually am going to send one more thing here to this uh, space. So this is the uh, your, your 2021 versus 2013 uh, uh you know, uh, basically how you've gone through your different like, you know, phases of your artistry and your portfolio, or at least on uh, Instagram. I know you have a huge portfolio. That's not like something you share every day, um, you know, different things here and there, but I just kind of wanted to uh, pick your brain. I'm sure other people listening would love to know. Um, obviously, you know, you have a thing for rich colors and tones and you, you love golden light. And I mean, who doesn't right? that does photography, but I would definitely be curious to know about how you sort of went in the direction that you did. Um, and then also maybe some people that might've influenced you along the way to help kind of curve you into the style that you have now. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, I think, yeah, looking back at, looking back at your work is always just such like a funny thing to me. I mean, you can remember all the shots you took. I feel like I can look back on those pictures from eight years ago and there was this one time I bought a seashell in a store and I, I took like I think I did six out of eight posts were like of the same starfish I look back on that I'm like what was it what was I thinking like doing that it's just so funny to see um but no I mean I think you can kind of tell like the evolution over time like for me looking back on my work from eight or nine years ago I can obviously see I was interested in the same things I mean I was I was into sunsets I think the one thing that you gain a little bit of insight into as you get older is trying to figure out how to shoot a little bit more variety while making it still look like your style. So for me, whether I'm going, you know, up to Alaska or whether I'm going to Canada or whether I'm down in Brazil or whether I'm in South Africa, I'm obviously still trying to tell the story of that destination, but in my same eye that I always have. So that's, Kind of the challenge is it's one reason why like i never i've always feel like i've struggled a lot in street photography is because i feel like i'm blown away by people who like dave dave's like a great example like go look through his work i feel like i could never have an eye for that stuff like it's just there's such quick moments that happen and figuring out how to tell those stories that just happen in like a thousandth of a second if you don't capture it right then you'll never get it again i just have so so much respect for people who can capture that style of photography. And that's one thing I would love to get better in. So I think for me to answer your question about who inspires me, I think it's people who do incredible things like that. Um, but I sit here and just question how I could ever get a shot like that. So Dave, like pretty much everyone on stage, I mean, everyone on stage, and I'm sure a ton of people in the audience as well, everyone is so dedicated to uh, like what they do and so incredibly talented. I think that's one thing you realize I always knew it just from kind of following a lot of talented people on Instagram, but when the NFT community really started growing for me, probably like what, like three, four five months ago, I was just blown away by people who I had never been introduced to before. And I thought I knew like a lot of people just being on social media for so long, but 
but it's just it's mind-blowing how many talented people there are out there in mediums that i had never even really looked into before so all like the animators 3d artists like graphic designers there's just there's so many truly talented people out there and i think figuring out how you can learn from them see what they do and maybe get little bits and pieces of their talents and and apply them to your work i think that's kind of the uh fun thing that i would like to try to do moving forward Hell yeah, dude. Um, definitely. It's it, you, even from the beginning, you could tell that you had an idea of like what color and how light should look and stuff like that. I think for me, that was like a big thing is just understanding like the basics and obviously, you know, just being consistent and uh, naturally being talented. Uh, you know, you were able to turn that into something that is now your career from uh, being an engineer and uh, playing tennis, which I mean, you know, professionally or uh, semi-professionally, right? So, uh, yeah, man, no, that was awesome to hear that and, uh, super stoked to see uh, more of the stuff you're going to be working on. Yeah. Thanks Ryan. Yeah. I think sunsets, um, are obviously like one of the quote unquote easiest things to shoot just because the light's dramatic, the color's incredible. So I think it was a really natural first subject to start in when I was a photographer, but I think for me, just kind of growing an appreciation for it over the years, the one thing I've grown to love about sunsets is it's such a fleeting moment where everyone like whether you had the best day of your life or whether you had a horrible day it seems like sunset is the one time when everyone comes together and has like a collective sigh of relief or just seems to really take in and enjoy the moment and really slow things down um so so for me i think that's one reason why i love shooting sunset now is because when i look around on the beach or when i'm in a destination and kind of go to its best sunset spot let's say and I, i just look around i just see like an immense amount of joy and radiating happiness that you just don't really see at other times of the day. So it makes it really fun to shoot. Eric, what's up, dude? It's Dave. Um, I, uh, I can't let you just compliment me and not compliment you back. <laughs> it's, uh, you know, I'm a big fan <laughs> yes, of yours as well. I'm glad, glad to see you in the space. And uh, it was good to see you so recently in New York too. Um, I love like what you said about street photography is really interesting to me, to me. You know, there's this uh, famous quote that, like, everyone knows, which is um, Henry Cartier-Bresson, who's, like, the godfather of street photography, calls it, like, a good photo. A good street photograph is, like, the decisive moment, right? And I think that's kind of true for all photography is, like, it's our duty as photographers to kind of stand at the crossroads of all these different variables. There's, like, an infinite amount of variables that go into creating a photograph. Like, you could just keep adding them, like, time, light, color. Uh, framing, subframing, and, and on and on and on. And it's kind of the task of a photographer to to stand at that junction, the confluence of all those variables, and like determine when uh, you can make the best image that, that truly captures the feeling of, of being there in that moment. And you definitely are like the guy uh, who knows exactly like for the sunset and landscape style of that moment. Uh, you're a master of that timing as well. So just, uh, yeah, big shout out to you and congrats on the bid and the sale. Uh, and I guess I do want to ask a question, which is like, we've been in the Instagram community with many people on the stage for a long, long time now. And I'm just wondering like, what compare, how do you compare this new kind of um, community that's bubbling up around NFTs with your experience um, in social media, like pros, cons, contr- differences, similarities, I'd be curious to get your thoughts as somebody who's been uh, embedded in online communities for such an extended period of time. 
Yeah, that's a great question. I'd love to hear your thoughts after. Um, my, so my opinion is, I mean, I, I, you've seen a lot of people write it where this really truly feels like the early days of Instagram when everyone is just so positive. There's a lot of community support. It's very uplifting. Everyone's kind of sharing other people's work. It's a very, I mean, there's obviously drama and little negative things that pop up here and there, but overwhelmingly it's a very supportive and feels like a team environment versus Instagram. It's how it started off, obviously, but I think the pivotal moment for Instagram was when it became much more commercialized, when agencies started popping into the space and all the companies started prioritizing campaigns. Um, everyone started shooting a lot more commercial projects. And then I think the community kind of just sadly, like, slowly started to erode and dissolve. Um, I, I mean, I don't. I don't know if there's exactly like a pivotal moment where you can say like things kind of degraded, but I just definitely feel like this reminds me of 2013, 2014 Instagram days. Um, I hope it lasts a long time. I'll be really curious to see once the NFT space starts to commercialize a little bit more as bigger brands start to file into the space as Facebook maybe launches an NFT platform. I'll be really interested to see how the community kind of handles that because it would be sad if it kind of followed the path of Instagram. But um, that that's kind of one thing I'm, I'm keeping my eyes peeled for. Um, curious to hear what you think about that because, I mean, I feel like just the commercialization and brands, bigger brands coming in, it's just it's a matter of time. It's inevitable, um, and I hope it doesn't kind of erode the community. Yeah, I agree. I think that anytime there's a paradigm-shifting technology, like on the scale of um... – like not just a new social platform, but like an actual rewriting of the architecture of the internet. Like that's what happened when social media came out. Um, and what that does is it creates this incredibly fertile soil and like all of these like seeds start exploding. It's like after a forest fire or something, like there's all this new growth happening and um, it's, it creates like these cross sections of communities that get to co-mingle and mix together. And that's like the honeymoon period. And I feel like that's what's happening right now is like, you said I thought I knew a lot of digital artists and, and I thought I knew um, like most of the people that I wanted to follow and then NFTs come out and I'm like oh my god like and I'm obsessed with pixel artists I'm obsessed with so many different types of art that I didn't have exposure to before and so it's really fun right now but as you say I mean as these things scale and mature um, big money comes in big brands come in and it loses a bit of that polish that like initial kind of fun fertile air ground and I think that that's when, like, the task of the community, it, it, like, that, that becomes our task. Like, how do we maintain the core excitement and innovation and, like, ride the wave long enough until the next paradigm shift and do it all over again? So that's, that's my hope. I do think that there's something extra special about the NFT community because it's the first time that we have an actual, like, um, uh, formalized, like, layer of value that is attached to our art online. Um, I would say that web two and, and social media platforms kind of, we, we were trading in social currency. Like, you know, we were trading our Instagram audiences and we were converting that to like a USD rate that brands could pay and buy our, you know, exposure to our, our assets, which are attention. Um, and I think that this is a much better system of having like an actual like ethereum uh, or ether rather on the ethereum network being that like formalized transactable programmable value layer and i think that that's going to change 
the game in, in a way that is like so much deeper than social media. And so I'm excited for, for that as well. But I do think it falls on our shoulders, like everybody who's listening right now and, and, you know, people, leaders in the community, even hosting spaces like this, the tease, thank you as always for, for getting us all together like this. It comes down to like, it's, it, it falls on us to make sure that we are stewards of the space and that it's inclusive and we make room for p- new people coming in and to not make it uh, like a socially stratified uh, walled garden, uh, how social media has, has felt lately. And the last thing I'll say is that I think the, all, social audio like this is, is a huge um, uh, catalyst for the space, like other, from the clubhouse days to these newer Twitter spaces days. And also Instagram is a very hard place to have um, deep conversations because everything gets buried in the comments and there's no real like good threading. And it's very rare that you can contextualize yourself as an artist. And Twitter has proven to be like an incredibly powerful tool for contextualizing ourselves as artists, which I think you need the context to create the value around the pieces that people want to collect. Otherwise it's just JPEGs. So that's my long winded uh, explanation of what I'm excited about and, and what I'm wary of as well. So thanks for giving me a chance to, to answer my own question too, Eric. <laughs> Dave, I, I always love hearing you talk cause you, you, first of all, you speak so eloquently, but second of all, you, you approach things with like such a insightful vision. Um, Whenever I hear you talk, I'm always like, yeah, that, that totally makes sense. That's what I was thinking too. <laughs> but I could just never say it like the way you say it. Um, so thanks for elaborating on that. I do have one question for you. I think a really interesting dynamic about the NFT space is that everything is so public and forward facing. It's something that we never really had to navigate on Instagram before. You obviously saw like when your friends did a, did a cool job for like a car company or did like a job for a tourism board and you would kind of get the the very broad sense of who is doing what, but there was never financial terms published. You never saw how big someone was, you know, landing contracts or anything like that. So that was just never really a dynamic you had to deal with before. Now with NFTs, it's just sales in your face. You know, everyone can see what everyone else is selling for. Um, there's big sales there's smaller sales, everything in between. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on how you think that will impact the community long-term and how we can kind of keep our eyes on the bigger picture and maybe put up blinders to that a little bit. Sorry, my mic was freaking out. Um, Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I think it's really important. Um, I think one of the biggest issues with social media, and I speak from personal experience dealing with like depression and anxiety and all sorts of things related to uh, comparison being the thief of joy. there is a lot more transparent uh, um, information because it's an open ledger. Uh, but I think the the kind of solution to that or the antidote to that is like having an abundance mentality. Um, and what I think about technology in general and in the, the wave of social media and in this new wave is that what it does is, is, is it creates like abundance and resources because it like, literally digital spaces are infinite. Um, if we're all competing to be in one photo gallery in New York, like we're not all going to make it, but we're not, <laughs> we're competing in, or not even competing. We're in virtual spaces, uh, where there's just like a tremendous amount of space for content and social media was the first layer of that. And now we're getting into this web three world where I think it's, um, even more abundant. And I think that that can help you when you see people making a big sale. 
as opposed to feeling like jealous or overlooked or like, oh, that should have been me. Um, you you got to just understand that if that person did it, then that means you can too. And uh, I think it's really important. Like one of the lo- the slogans I have for my company, All Ships, is is space for everyone. And it's kind of like a it's kind of like a play on like outer space, but but also what it really means is like there's room for all of us here. Um, every phone is a infinitely refreshing entry portal to the metaverse. Like it really is. And I I can we all consume tens of thousands of more images than the generation before us. Uh, which means that there's a demand for those images and and there's a demand for art. And now there's a demand for like, because we have this digital scarcity now, there's a demand for ownership. And I think that we're just scratching the surface of that. And uh, to to be jealous or to let those things get to you is to um, take steps down like the wrong path. I think we have to all just like try to uplift each other and like make the core of this community strong. Because we're so early that it's like, if you're in it now, um, even if you've never made a sale or whatever, you're just starting to learn about it now, or you're in the audience listening and you're like, Oh, this seems interesting. Like you're a part of this, um, interconnected community that has like, you will grow with the momentum of that community, like through network effects. So I think we're all still early enough that like, we do not need to be competing with each other and we should just really focus on, uh, making this a long-term and sustainable thing and not, not burning out, uh, especially and protect your mental health at all costs. Cause that's where everything stems from. Um, yeah, I don't know if that really, that was kind of a, a, a winding answer, but I hope I got to at least some of what you were getting to. Yeah, no, that was, that was great. That was exactly what I was hoping to get. Um, I think the other really interesting thing that I'm seeing a lot more of is kind of just like this stark, um, divide between the Instagram community and the Twitter community. And a lot of people are obviously on both platforms. So you wouldn't think there would be such a divide, but I see a lot of like hate on Twitter about people coming over from Instagram. And I don't really see people on Instagram talking about Twitter. So it's kind of this weird dynamic right now. I mean, I've been on Twitter since 2009, but I haven't really taken it super seriously. It was kind of just always I just posted photo sets for fun. Um, but I just, I just see like a really interesting dynamic between the photography community um obviously a lot of people are embracing people moving over but i just think like you said like the the better everyone does it's like a collective win for us all and the way i approach it is if someone sells something really big obviously like it's natural to have a little bit of jealousy i mean you want it to be you but whenever someone has a big sale that's like a giant win for the photo community i mean i always saw people getting big shoots on instagram and in the early days, I was like, damn, I wish I got that, you know, like that really cool car shooter. I wish I got this travel job. That looks so fun. But then I realized like, hey, it's a huge win because these brands are committing to investing in our space. And so you need to go comment on that. You need to like, you know, uplift that person's campaign because when that brand goes through the comments and goes back and has a meeting to determine, hey, was that campaign successful or not? What, what is the reaction like? Was it positive or was it negative? If you could contribute to the positivity on that campaign and get the brand to reinvest and do that again, you never know, you might get the next one. So I think that's important is every time someone lands a job, every time someone has a sale, it's something that needs to be celebrated because it's just building momentum for us all. Yeah, really well said. I couldn't agree with you more. And uh, again, it's, we get to like kind of, 
take participate and take part in like what this is going to look like and if we start with that mentality of like abundance and that there's room for everyone and somebody else's success is a signal that you can succeed too like it's just going to be a much better space so well put man 100 percent. hey dave has happy hour started for you ever on the east coast yet Are you uh what's your friday night <laughs> plans look like <laughs> i'm thinking about uh, getting I'm... mine going so i'm just uh i need a little inspiration <laughs> i'm uh i'm gonna head out in like 10 minutes to go to like a favorite restaurant drink some orange wine you know you know how i do yeah, I did not have the orange wine. You so Dave is uh, on this orange wine kick. He was trying to explain it to me <laughs> earlier. I still do not understand it. They do not have that over here. I've like looked everywhere for it. Um, it must be a New York thing, man. I do not know what that is. Well, you're missing out. It's delicious. It's when they it's it's white wine, but they leave the grape skins on, so you get this like super funky bitter taste with it, and it's amazing. And I need somebody to back me up, so. <laughs> Might be crickets, man. Not a lot of orange wine drinkers in the house, I don't think. <laughs> Just because I'm from New York, I want to back you up, but I don't know what the fuck it is. But I'm with you. I've now. never heard of New that. He's on such an orange wine kick. When I was I was in New York City with him uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, yeah, just he got me uh, thinking about it a lot, but I, it never came to fruition, Dave. I never actually saw any of it. So I still <laughs> think it's like a mythical drink that I maybe we'll get to experience well, this at is... some point in life. We know that in these spaces is where all the alphas leak. So you all just came up on like the best wine alpha ever, which is orange wine is the superior wine. And it's amazing and delicious summer refreshing drink. I'm actually headed to France tomorrow. I'm going to see, see if they have some of it over there. Oh, casual. What are you, what are you doing over there? Um, my friend, did you meet Ollie when you were here? Ollie Channon, my musician friend? Oh, I, don't, I don't think so, no. So I manage him through all ships as well. He's an incredible musician. Everybody goes stream Ollie Channon. He's like really one of my favorite musicians of all time. Did you do, the, he, Venice, you do the Venice um, collab with him, right? Yep. Okay. And he, he scored both of my collaborations with Exulo um, and just crushed it. You can see it on Exulo's super rare page. Um, but he, his family like has a little house in the south of France and it's the last year they have it. So I'm going to go check it out before it's, before they move. Um, and then I'm probably going to the ETH conference if anyone else is going to be there. I'm going to be in Paris. Uh, and I guess that it would make sense for me to go to that Ethereum conference and meet some people. So if anyone's in Paris, please please DM me or planning to go. I'm just randomly going to jump in here. So first of all, I would like to say, Eric, uh, I have huge respect for you, for everything that you do. You seem like such a, a selfless person and you definitely deserve the ongoing auction right now and the reason i wanted to jump in is that i will also be in france i'll actually leave in two days from germany um so dave if you if you're around the east coast or something just message me it would be great to shoot together or meet up um and i actually have a question to you eric i would be interested to hear um how long it takes you to plan a photo shoot um if you scout for the location for a long time or if it's rather just i don't know just randomly stumbling upon a spot and how long it takes you to edit and process uh, post process all of it yeah it's a great question um i love your work michelle i think it's it's so dreamy and i i just want to give you huge props for how much you've grown as an artist i mean i've just seen in the last 
six to nine months, just such incredible growth. So I want to give you huge props, first of all, and I love your success in this space. Thank you um, so much. Yeah, of course. Um, in terms of shoots, it, it's so hard to answer that question because obviously there it's so hard to standardize. Like this is how long it takes to plan something. This is how long it takes to shoot something. Every single job and every single trip you take and every shoot is so different than one another. But I would say in general, one thing that I've learned is the more I have expectations, the more I'm disappointed typically. I try to go in with an open mind now. I used to always think that I could go on a trip and I would research the best pictures I ever saw from that destination. I want to go to that exact spot and try to get a better shot or like try to try to get like an all-time sunset. And it just doesn't work out that way. You know, like sometimes you'll spend all your time and resources figuring out the best weather window for a location. You'll go there and it will be overcast for four days. So there's no sense in getting stressed or getting upset over things that are out of your control. So I think that it's smart to obviously do research ahead of time, plan out where you want to go, plan out like every destination has its, its pinnacle spots. It's the reason why people go to that destination. There's also room for you to find your own spots. So that's when, you know, doing research on Google earth or, or plenty of other resources pay dividends. It's trying to put your own kind of mark on a destination. But I think the best strategy is honestly just to do a little research, go somewhere, and then just see what happens. I mean, I'd rather get somewhere and kind of take it in and analyze what I need to do than try to plan it all out on the computer um, before I've even ever seen what a destination looks like. Because a lot of times when you get somewhere, it just doesn't really look like the photos. I mean, I think that's kind of our, our job as photographers is to capture a destination and try to paint it in the most beautiful way that you can. And some people do such a good job at that, that I get there and I'm like, whoa, this is not what this place looks like. So I just try to go in, like I said, with, with very minimal expectations, going with excitement, going with an open mind and just do the best you can with the resources and kind of the conditions that you're given at the time. Yeah. Thanks for answering. I think it's sort of like a huge issue that you, if you plan a trip and if you scout for like the best photography locations and all of that, um, you of course, like obviously see all the photographs of this place and they, they are edited and then your expectations go up and in real life, they're like, I don't know, thousands of other people trying to take the exact same image. Uh, so yeah, I think like it can go both ways. I think it can be really helpful to sort of plan roughly where you want to go, but in general, it, can also be really like I think the most memorable moments of my trips were the ones that came unexpectedly yeah I think that's one interesting point you made is when you think back on the memories of your trips and what stands out it's typically like the flat tire you got or like when you got completely soaked in the rain it's it's very rarely like oh I took this epic photo it's typically the things that go wrong or just the things that were maybe just kind of stressful that worked out. Um, those, those are always the things that seem like they leave the imprints in your brain. So I would think just going into a trip, realizing that things are going to happen, there's going to be good moments, there's going to be bad moments, don't get stressed and learn how to see happiness or humor in like a bad situation. Um, don't let it ruin your trip. Um, that would kind of be my advice to people moving forward as they travel. Don't go in thinking you're going to beat this person's shot or you're going to get like the, the best shot ever in this location. Um, obviously, it's your job when you're hired to do the best you can to capture a destination or a product or whatever you're shooting. But try to have fun with it. I mean, I think 
the one biggest thing for me too, working with a lot of brands. And a lot of the time I'm working with like the marketing director, working with the social media director there, that they're with me. I'm like, they're, you got to try to be as enjoyable to be around as possible. Like, of course, do the best work that you can, but there's something to be said about making it enjoyable for everyone. Like being fun to be around, being a good team member, like making it a good experience for them. Cause at the end of the day, it's work. Like they're on a work trip. You got to try to make it fun for them. Otherwise they're probably not going to want to hire you again. So I think just as important as getting like a really good picture is making it an enjoyable experience uh, for everyone you're around. Absolutely. Thanks for answering that. And I also have another question that I actually wanted to ask earlier already. You were talking about like sticking, well, indirectly sticking to a specific style, like uh, even though uh, you have like here the images 2013 versus 2021, they, they are all sort of rather like sunsets. And I wanted to ask if um, sticking to like a specific style ever limited you because I'm I'm the type of person I love shooting everything uh, landscape related like I love sunsets I love shooting during night uh, I also love just creating digital art 3d art and I sort of hate limiting myself and I would like to see or hear how you uh, approach it yeah that that's a great question um I think I probably have a little bit of an interesting answer to that. I mean, I think since I don't come from maybe an arts background, um, I see everything as, I guess, I always try to find the marketing angle and everything as well, which is a blessing and a curse. So when you, when you have a certain editing style or you shoot a certain way or you have a certain type of art that's maybe edgier, I would never tell anyone to change the way they want to do art or that anything's I, I don't believe in telling anyone that their style is right their style is wrong the way that they they approach anything is incorrect I mean I think it's all about what you feel inspired to do and like what you want to put out there is right for you but I also think people need to be realistic that if you do want to work with certain brands or you want to work in the commercial space or if you expect your art to speak to like a bigger percentage of people out there I mean you have to kind of have an understanding in the back of your head what people gravitate towards and what they don't um, and there's obviously niche artists who who find success in in very particular things that you know speak to the right couple people but I always think it's important in the back of your head to think like if you're trying to aim for always, always think about who you're you're trying to shoot for yourself of course but if you're trying to work I mean we all we all need to make money we all need to work at the end of the day who are you trying to speak to with your images, with your art? Like who, who is your clientele? Who is the person on the receiving end of it? I mean, hopefully you can just create stuff and it, it finds people naturally. But if you think it's not really like reaching the right people, maybe it's time to do like a deep dive into like, hey, what am I, what am I hoping to create here? Like who am I hoping it reaches? And like what is kind of the end game with it? So that's something I kind of think about as I'm shooting nowadays, just probably just because I've done like a lot more commercial work in the last four or five years, but I'm always trying to think about like how I can reach as many people with my images in kind of a broader inspirational sense. And that goes down to the writing as well. Like when I write, I write about my experiences, but I try to write them broadly enough so that maybe more people can relate to the caption, even if it's in a bit of a broader sense. So I try to speak very, generically very broadly and, and try to make it so that I'm not alienating a certain group of people who are either viewing the image or reading what I'm writing. 
thanks for answering. I think uh, that's a really interesting perspective. And I also think there, like, you have both ways first. Um, like, a lot of people try to reach the broader audience with content that just, I don't know, ev everybody enjoys. But then there are also really successful people who are really niche-specific, um, but still successful. So it definitely works both ways. You just need to sort of figure out what works best for you and what you actually like to do. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I think there, there's no correct roadmap for any person. I mean, I think if you're talented in what you do, you can pick almost any medium or any type of thing to create and you'll probably find success. Um, I just always think it's so incredible when people who have like a very unique style or something that I would never gravitate towards are, are wildly successful. I'm always just so captivated by it. Um, and like I said earlier, just seeing like street photography or portrait photographers or the things that I feel like are, I guess, my weaknesses um, when it comes to shooting. I'm always so inspired by people who are able to build successful careers by shooting that style because it's something that I've always struggled with. So I'm always just really interested in learning from others who find success in those mediums. Absolutely. That's why we're here for, just like inspiring each other. Dave, sorry, I got muted. Do you mind if I ask you a question about your photography? No, please, man. I'd, I'd love to chat. Hello? Did we lose him? Eric? I also can't hear <laughs> that helps. <laughs> Can you hear him? No, right? No. Yeah, Eric. Eric, we lost you. What happened? Come back to us. Michelle, where are you based? Uh, what? Where are you based? Uh, I'm from Germany. What about you? New York, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can hear police in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's, I live in a very loud neighborhood. Yeah. But um, yeah, we're going to just do like a quick road trip to France uh, in two days. And we haven't planned almost anything. We just, I think we'll do all of it on the go. Wow, cool. So yeah, let's stay in touch. I'll send you a DM. Um, I don't even know what region I'm going to. <laughs> I'm flying to San Sebastian and he's like getting picked up and driven. So I'll, I'll let you know where, where we end up. Yeah, definitely. It would be cool. Yeah, that'd be so crazy. I love meeting people, other artists online. Yes, definitely. And I think in the States, like the possibilities are even higher now with the conference in, my, in Miami and all of that here in Germany. I haven't really heard anything specific yet, but uh, yeah, it's absolutely great meeting new people online yeah, I was also than personally. I was lucky enough to go to Miami with Animus and that whole crew. Ravi, Ravi and I got to kick it. That's um, great. I was jealous yeah. to see. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that was a really good time. That was incredible. I, I, one of the best parts of my year for sure. It was so fun. What happened at poor Eric here? Is he having technical issues? Oh, I'm back. I'm back. Sorry. I don't know what it is. Just, I'm in and I'm out. I'm in and I'm out. Cool. Um, did you want to, did you say you had a question? Yeah, I had a question for you. Um, so when you're, 
just a street photography question just because clearly I'm captivated by it because I just I can't ever take a good street photo. But um, any, I guess any of the street photographers can answer this. When you go out, obviously when you do landscape photography, you kind of have like a general idea of like what you want to shoot. Um, obviously it changes when you get there a little bit based on conditions or light or whatever, but you kind of have an idea in the back of your head what you want to get. When you go out and shoot on the streets, do you have like a general idea on like what you're trying to get that day or are you just walking and like whatever you see in the moment you're getting? I'm just curious like how much planning or how much you kind of go out with like a game plan versus just completely like walking and winging it. Dude, that's a great question. Um, I have an answer for you and I would say think of it like jazz music. Like I have chords, there's standards, there's like all this kind of beautiful established um, ways to compose and using your tools and instruments, tools being your like compositional tricks and, and the relationship between shutter speed, ISO um, and your lens. Uh, and so I go out and I kind of know, like I have my framework of like the vibe I like, which is like rainy, like, you know, blade runnery New York stuff. Um, but in the moment I'm, I'm fully free to learn and iterate and, and like every time I go out and shoot, I learn something new about photography. And I also think you can practice photography. And I, by the way, I think that applies to all photography, but it's really apparent with street photography because you're literally in this improvisational mindset. Um, and that's really fascinating to me. It's like improv. Yeah. Um, but every time you learn something new, it multiple, it's like factorial multiplies by everything you already know as well. Because if you can change one little thing, the whole image changes. So if you learn how to do like a panning shot, um, but you also, you know, know how to utilize reflections, you can like put your, all of a sudden you have a new way to interpret the world around you because you can combine those two things and everything you learn adds to that toolkit. And so every time I go out, I get to learn and then, iterate and, and see the world in a new way. And the cool thing about that is that I, I'm constantly practicing photography, even if I don't have my camera. I mean, I'm, I'm looking around at the world, at the way people interact with the world, at the way the light changes and, and reflects. A great example of that is how like color that we see is the wavelength of light. And so many things change the wavelengths of light. And that's why we have so many different colors that we get to, to witness. So like, you know, an example in your photography is like the density of those clouds that the light is refracting off of changes the color uh, so much. And, and then in, in a city setting, like if somebody's standing next to a yellow taxi cab, like the light is hitting the taxi cab, it's changing the color of the light and then reflecting back on that person. And then you're adding layers of color um, based on like the journey that that, that light went on. Um, so just like I, I'm constantly um, trying to like it's a it's a constant process of learning, experimenting, iterating, and it makes life like this beautiful game where you can just walk around, and everything is infinitely interesting to me because I'm studying it in such intense detail. Um, uh, yeah, so that's another long-winded answer to your, to your to your great question, but to me it's it's a combination of years and years and years of honing my style and then going out and giving myself the freedom to make new things uh, as much as possible. 
I think you're uh, that was a beautiful answer. I think your analogy to jazz music um, hit home with me because I have no musical ability. So I think that explains why I cannot shoot street photography. So you answered my question in like the first sentence or two. Thank you for that. Well, first, I do want to say that everybody can shoot street. It's just practice. And it's about looking at like curious overlaps between things and symbolic overlaps and symbolic just juxtapositions of information. Um, and I would encourage everybody to just try photography in general, because it does it does give you that kind of extra superpower where like it makes the world this like deeply complex arena of of beauty everywhere like in the small like raindrops on a cab window is like beautiful to me now because i know how to how to kind of show it in a way that is cinematic or or, or like evokes some sort of feeling so i encourage everybody it doesn't matter what you're doing you you're holding a camera right now probably if you're on your phone um i actually have a separate account on instagram called secret street and it's 10 years now of just iphone shots and it's some of my favorite photos are just shot with that iphone because you anybody can do it and it's like a really fun meditation on life and uh the interactions of of all the different components of the universe like it's photography to me is like holding moments like that in amber that are like significant and and try to find meaning in the uh the beautiful overlaps of life so that's kind of my philosophy about that if i, I love that account by the way i think it's incredible um sorry omar go ahead no no i just wanted to to add to what dave was saying because uh, I definitely agree that street photography, as a street photographer myself, street photography is one of the best teachers for, you know, best practices in general to learn photography. Um, one of the things that I love about it the most is just it really gives you the, the, the ability to think on your feet and to adapt um, to whatever conditions are going on. Um, you know, as you walk around the city, the light conditions, the light changes. Uh, the atmosphere changes, so you have to adapt to that. And then I think also, as you were saying, and that, that goes to the improvisational skills as well. I come from a theater background and improvisation was part of my training. And it's also to, to just say yes to everything and, uh, and be able to, to just ha go out with no plan whatsoever and then just let life you know, become your plan. Um, and it's one of the things that has helped me translate to, to the work that I do otherwise photographing, you know, dancers in the street and whatnot. It's really to, to use, you know, natural light as it comes, use whatever elements that are around uh, to come and, and take advantage of those. And I think um, when you learn those skills, when you start using those skills, it really helps you to understand photography in general better. But I think it also helps you understand life a little bit better and be more observant of your surroundings. Um, and I can tell you for sure that when I started doing street photography on a daily basis, suddenly I started, you know, finding things I didn't know that they were there in the city. And then, you know, me being new to New York City, being a Puerto Rican and, and, and being here for just a few years and meeting New Yorkers that have been living here for, for many years, they were like, oh, I didn't know that existed here. Uh, so, you know, it, as Dave was saying, you know, it really helps you explore and be more curious. Omar, what inspired you to, to shoot street dancers and, and your style? Like what, what about it, um, speaks to you or what, what stories do you hope to share with your work? I'm just, I'm so curious because it's, it's such a unique style and vision. And I'm just curious how your path kind of led to that. 
Oh, thanks, man. Um, you know, I identify a lot with what you were saying before because I started, you know, I have, you know, I gravitated to many, you know, aspects in life before I, I ended up in, in photography. Um, but my my performance, my, my background was actually in performance uh, art. Um, and I trained as a professional mime with Marcel Marceau for, for several years. And I performed for over 10 years in Europe and, and in the States. Uh, but just like you, injury um, ended basically my career. And it was a very painful moment in my life that I had to, you know, just stop doing. The one thing that I really only wanted to do, like I only saw myself as doing, you know, physical theater and, and performance art. Um, but due to injury, I had to stop. And um, I discovered photography through many things that I'm not going to get into right now. Um, but uh, when I started doing photography, I started as a photojournalist, and I saw a lot of the par parallelism between mime theater and theater in general and photography as a way to just tell a story without using any words and just fo focusing on the, on the sheer emotion of the moments. And that's really how I, I really stepped into photography. And at some point, to make the long story short, um, I just missed my performance background. I, I missed, you know, directing. I missed um, being on stage and I missed create, creating something more fantastical or just uh, um, fictional. Uh, so I started, you know, placing actually myself in the, in the, in the, in the frames uh, where I was doing street photography um, and creating different, you know, stylized posts. Uh, and at some point, uh, I just, you know, switched and, and started uh, outsourcing the, that part and, and using dancers because that was something that I knew that I was comfortable and that was a language that I could very easily speak to uh, and direct from, from not just a photography perspective, but also from a choreographical uh, perspective. And that's really how I ended up merging those two worlds and, and became the series that I'm you know, been known for over, you know, six, seven years now and, and have traveled the world with. I love that. I think it's it's so interesting hearing how people's kind of path through life leads them to the images that they capture. I think for me, um, honestly, it took me a long time to not see my past as a failure. I mean, to spend 20 something years playing tennis and it didn't lead to something. And then I did electrical engineering for seven years. It didn't, I switched to being a photographer, you know, I thought both of those were failures for a long time. And it took me many years to kind of realize that they make me a very unique photographer now. So I think that your background and your past and how it leads to the eye that you have now, is just always so interesting, which is why I always encourage people to tell their story because you may think it's unique to you, but I think you'll find out that you have a lot more commonality with people, even if it's just on a certain decision you had to make or how you decided to you know, approach this crossroads in life. Um, I think we can find a lot of commonality between the things that we've been through together. Dude, like tennis is, I'm, I, I'm horrible at sports, uh, <laughs> but tennis is the one sport, one of the few sports that I really follow to a certain extent that I, and that I love. And one of the things that I, that really impressed me about tennis from from when I was a performance artist was the physic the physicality to it, but also it, it has a very um, style you know style in the body. Uh, but the one thing that did impress me about tennis players is 
that it is a solo sport and that you have no coach uh, on the court and that you have to learn, as we were speaking before, to adapt. And if there's a mistake that you made, you have to just forget about it and just switch your mindset to just keep going. Um, and to your point before, I think that training that you had as a, as a tennis player for so many years really, you know, took you to, to transform your life and just, again, just, as you said, not see, you know, that as a failure, but just see it as a stepping stone to, to you know, the next uh, tennis, the next set, so to speak. Yeah, I think you made a really good point. The one uh, really interesting thing about tennis that you kind of learn as you go through the ranks is that this skill will only take you so far. Um, a lot of the times at the top, the separator is the intangibles. It's like it's the mental game um, is what separates the top people from kind of the next level down. And that's kind of something very interesting. I think that parallels almost every profession in life. I mean, I think about it with photography all the time is I don't really think I'm the most talented photographer out there. I mean, I think there's people who I look at and I'm like, they're insanely talented. Every picture they take is I'm captivated by. I, I, I never say that I'm going to be the best photographer, videographer, anything like that, nor do I really aspire to be. I think that I kind of would rather take a 90% good photo, but have it really focus on like the storytelling, the writing behind it, and like really connect with someone on a deeper level maybe partly through the art, maybe partly through the words, maybe through the experience and getting to that point. I just think it's about so much more at the end of the day than just the photo. Um, so that's, yeah, kind of something that I've really been focusing on later in my career is, is sure, you know, at the looks of it, it's just a photo, but I always think it's about so much more than that. And I try to think about how the person on the other end looking at it might feel or might think when they see it um, and find that common ground between us two. The more I hear you talk, the more I understand your mindset, and uh, and I love it even more. It's uh, you have a very interesting uh, way of looking at at uh, photography and, and business in general, and I think it's a uh, it's uh, it's why you are where you are. Um, you have learned to 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 use everything at your uh, at your reach and um, and to study to study situations and to study how people react to your work and then how to take it to your advantage. So congrats, man. Thank you, Omar. Appreciate it, buddy. Okay, Eric, I have one more question for you. Hopefully some people in the audience can relate to this as well, but I have a similar background to you. I am a chemical engineer. I went to Purdue University and I graduated in 2019. Before I ever got into any art at all, with an engineering background, we're not necessarily the most artistic people, um, at least in my case, that's how I felt. But I'm kind of going through something where I'm trying to decide, like, can I do both of these at the same time? And, and right now, I'm obviously, I'm working full time in engineering and I'm doing photography at every other moment that I have. And it's really stressful, and I'm kind of just trying to figure out how to navigate through this. And I'm, I'm wondering kind of how you transitioned. Was it a, a long period? Um, did you have people supporting you? Did you have people telling you it was the wrong thing? Because I'm, I'm from, especially from my family, so my dad's also an engineer. My brother's an engineer. So it's big engineering and science family, and they don't really think that art can be a career. So I have, like, 
kind of a lot of hesitations on that. And I'm just curious, did you go through a similar thing? What was, what did your process look like? How long did it take to transition? Any advice? Love it. Yeah, it's so it's so funny hearing you say that because it's it's every emotion that I went through. Yeah. Um, literally, literally to a T. Um, so for me, I come from a very heavy science family. My my dad, biology teacher, my mom, um, medical background, works in a hospital. And of course, like they were happy when I got my engineering degree and was pursuing that. And then I think photography was always something they were like, oh, that's cool. You have a little side hobby. <laughs> yep. <laughs> when I first started like talk, talking about pursuing it more and like, I think they were like, okay, like, sure. It's cool that you're doing it like, you know, after work. But then I think the real crossroads for me was when I realized that I wasn't doing either of them as good as I could be doing. So my performance in engineering I would literally leave work every single day at four o'clock if there was like going to be a good sunset. So I started not doing, you know, which, which isn't fair to the company you're working with. So I, I started not being as good of an engineer as I could be. And I was only given photography, you know, like 20% of my day. So I wasn't, you know, going and trying to be a photographer with a hundred percent of my energy. So I just got to that crossroads. And I think I, the, the breaking point for me was, I guess I, I kind of looked at a roadmap like five, 10 years down the road. I saw the engineers who were kind of 10, 10 years ahead of me. And like, I asked myself the question, like, is that what I, where I want to be in 10 years? Um, whereas photography, social media, you know, traveling doing these kind of jobs, it seemed like straight up the wild west. So I was like, it just seems like I have so much more potential to just kind of go off and pave my own road if I pursue that. And I just thought the opportunity was too much to at least not chase. I think the good thing for you, as you know, is like you have that degree is not going anywhere. You can always be an engineer down the road. Um, I guess my advice to you would be to to encourage you to look at the strengths that you have in a different sort of way. So the way that I see it is, sure, you know, you have a great left side of the brain and a great right side of the brain. So typically in companies, you know, they have the tech side and they also have the marketing and the media side. And those entities don't typically see eye to eye. So I think your background can position you very strategically for a company to potentially be the bridge between those two people who don't see eye to eye. So there's so much opportunity for you in the startup space and the tech space, the fact that you can help understand the media and marketing side, but you can also talk on the technical side and understand the details down to that T, I think allows you to approach jobs and problem solving in a very unique way. So um, it's, it's not bad that you're pursuing it. Of course, people are going to question it and they're not going to understand it, but you just got to run with what you're passionate about because if you are pursuing something like with half of your heart behind it, I just don't think you're going to find success in either medium. So do them both, both as long as you can. I think that'll help you kind of really understand when you're comparing them side by side, which one you truly care about the most. Um, and, but then when you feel confident in taking that leap, I think you just have to eventually get to the point where you go for one, because that's the only way you'll really, you know, find out what your true potential is, but you don't have to give up the other one, right? Find opportunities and whatever you pursue to work with companies in your previous space. Um, so yeah, that's a long winded answer of saying that I, I went through everything you're going through. Um, don't think of it as giving up one thing. Think of it as you have so many potential doors that not a lot of people can open. So yeah, your future is bright. Thank you so much. What you were saying is literally exactly how I'm feeling. I'm like immediately after work, 
I go home and climb. And then after I climb, I go do photography all night. And I barely sleep because I want to do everything that I can. So either I'll shoot sunset or I'll just edit photos. Um, but yeah, that's that's crazy because I say this all the time to some of my friends. I'm like, I don't want to just half-ass both jobs. I want a whole-ass one job. And I just can't. Like, it, it's just a really hard transition right now. So definitely going through the same thing as you i'm i work you know eight hours a day and i'm i'm out and then i don't think about my day job and then i just go and i create and i make art and it's yeah it's stressful and i've only been um working in engineering for two years but that's something i just realized is um like my degree is not going to go away it's not like i i quit now and i can never do it again and I'm 24, and I really just think that, like, now is such a good time for me to see what I want to do when I'm older and just to, you know, do what I'm passionate about. And it's great to hear that other people are kind of going through the same thing. And I hope that other people in the audience can relate as well, even if, like, you're not in engineering and you just have a full-time job in general, um, navigating, you know, doing something that is solid and makes you money and you might enjoy it versus doing something you're completely passionate about and taking that step. So thank you so much um, for at least answering my question and kind of giving me some advice. It's It's been on my mind for probably about a year now. So it, it's good to hear that other people kind of go through the same thing. And it's awesome to see how they navigate it. So thank you for answering that. I just want to say, Yeah, I, I... Oh, sorry, go ahead. I was just going to say, like, you know, I, I joined a little while ago, but you know, you you asked how how to maneuver it. And it sounds like you're already maneuvering it. <laughs> it sounds like you know you're you're doing both and you're doing both to the best of your ability and and know that just like that's that's a part of the process like you know I started photography four years ago and at the time I was in school and it was like a full-time school you know and like whenever I had the chance I was doing like uh, photo shoots and you know taking photos like just around my area and just kind of using what I had and you know school ends just like sometimes jobs end or you know and and the passion is always there and I think like you know if we do our best constantly I just truly believe that the universe just brings us what we want of course it's gonna most likely be in a way that we don't expect but um I just believe like when we put in like that that like those 10,000 hours you know into anything into a craft or a job like you know we receive what we <clears throat> what we want and um of course it's sometimes for sure with family like you know I, I used to when I first started photography I was <clears throat> taking photos on my iPhone and and like I live um outside of Toronto so I would like commute and like my parents would be like oh like why why are you going there this was after I, I actually had come home from school um and you know I was just like because like I just I just knew it, you know, like it was just, I, I had to, and it was just like a calling and, you know, four years later and for sure, because of the pandemic, like, you know, I'm, I'm privileged to be able to be at home. Um, but to, you know, it sounds like you are for sure making that money and, and chasing your dreams at the same time. So like, honestly, like today I had this revelation cause I want to move um, to Montreal, but, um, I had this revelation where it's like, there's no need for me to force that, you know, because if I have the intention, like the universe will bring it to me. Like I do my best. I, I I'm genuine to as many people as I can be. I, I put in the hard work daily 
and it just has to come back you know like law of attraction is real and you know if you're working engineering i can't even imagine like how like how that is because you know i didn't i went to college i didn't go to school for that but you know i i know that that's tough but like that's resilience you know and like that resilience that you're building right now you might not realize it but you know that's lifelong and when you know when that crossroad happens because we know passion always will trump you know not like trump yeah i guess trump like you know our our nine to five and and um and i think what happens is no matter how strict because like my parents were like decently like you know strict like go to school get a nine to five job and like i think what happens is like even when um, our parents have that mindset when they see us like putting in like our whole like our soul our spirit like blood sweat tears everything it just kind of clicks even if they don't realize it and then it just kind of like becomes this thing where it's like oh shit like you know they you know they kind of realize it without realizing it and um and and i and i went through that because my parents are somewhat that way um i just say like you know hold on keep doing everything you're doing and whatever you want you know passion definitely like i said we're all here for a reason you know we're all here in this space not because we want to focus on a a nine to five and be in these spaces where we're like like because for me i knew that since i was a little kid i knew like when i was in high school i was like i cannot be in a desk job i cannot be in a place where i have to go to the same place and do the same thing every day like i will do it until i like you know until i have to but you know of course like you know it's just about doing what you want when you have the time and I'm 23 or 24, like, you know, we still have so much time. Everyone has so much time, even if you're 30, 40, like, you know, I don't really think anyone has this, like, you know, 50, 60, like, literally, like, I think this whole world, we've been, like, conditioned to think, like, we have to have everything figured out, like, to think that we had to have everything figured out in, like, grade 12 when we're, like, 15 or 16, like, that's a joke, you know, of course, and, you know, now we've all come around where it's, like, okay, what do I really like to do? And, um, you know, even to know what you like to do is a blessing, you know, like we've already won, even if it's not like the way that we want right now, but at, at least we know, you know, cause there's a lot of people that, you know, I'm from a small town. Like I know that there's a lot of people that want to, you know, design clothes or whatever, you know, be a chef or, you know, take photos, whatever, you know, but they don't because they're scared. And, and I definitely went through that. Like, you know, when I first started like, taking photos but um you know just to even know what you like to do and and not ever have the box closed like you know i started with photography but now i do like friggin all these different things that i never even knew that i was gonna do and and i really always try to like uh, share with artists you know like don't close the door like just because you know one passion i always believe that artists have friggin 10 things up their sleeve that they don't even know that they love to do but we don't know like to be open to that because we keep our doors and boxes closed which is so interesting to me how we push our boxes to break out of these nine to five structures but then we box ourselves into our passion which is fine but I, I truly believe that we as artists can are all multi-talented all multidisciplinary. you know that all, we all have um different um mediums that we we could we could focus on but um i think it's about being open but uh yeah i didn't expect this share to be as long as it is but yeah i appreciate you uh for asking that question and uh yeah i'm done speaking
<laughs> Thank you so much for the kind words. Like I really do appreciate it. And you made some really great points in that as well. So I would love to connect with you. Message me. Let's let's chat. I love meeting new people in this space, but it's tough. I mean, I'm, I'm definitely trying to do both right now. And I'm sure that Eric, you had a, a time where you were juggling both, like you said, and then finally decided to make the jump. But I'm really excited. And I think like slowly over time, my parents have been seeing that I'm selling NFTs and selling photos and meeting new photographers. And I think they're slowly catching on like, hey, you can, you know, you're happy when you do this. Like we see that you love this. You can even make some money doing it. Like, okay, maybe that's what success is, not just an engineering degree. So it, it's tough, like having all the negative stuff coming from my family and then all my friends and all you guys in this chat have just been motivating me to to do what I love and it's great and I love the support. So thank you guys so much. I have to hop off, Eric, but I wanted to say congrats again. Your work is amazing and I'm so glad I got to connect with you today. So I'd love to stay in touch and thank you Dees for hosting this space. I love joining as many spaces of yours as I can. So thanks guys. It's been amazing to chat with you all. Have, man, have a good night, Haley. Thanks, Haley. I haven't talked in so long. Hey. My throat got tight. <laughs> hey, uh, on the same re regard, I uh, it's kind of funny that this conversation is coming up, uh, Eric, and I'd love to ask this question here to you. Uh, I just quit my job. I'm sitting in my car right now, about to pack up everything I own, leave tomorrow morning and live on the road. And at my parents, you know, uh, basically said, if you leave, you're gone and good luck doing it on your own. And I had to look them in the face and say, yeah, that's what I'm going to do. And it's it sucks because, you know, uh, my family background was not through education or college. My my, you know, it's kind of weird to say in a public space, but my family grew up selling drugs and I was happy to go to high school and I was very happy to go through two years of college. And uh, I just got a film degree, so I don't know how much value is there, but, you know, it's it's not a path I thought I would be on. I, I kind of wanted to use the outdoors as escape as a kid because I refused to kind of go d through that same path. And I didn't want to go to jail or prison or anything like that. And now now I'm on this positive path and I love it. And, you know, this is not a sob story. I, I, I chose to, to go through these directions and try to separate myself and I uh, am now, you know, fortunate enough to work with some brands, work with some companies, and it's like super awesome. But, you know, I am in a stage now, personally, I'd love to hear what you have to say about this is like, I have an unhealthy connection to social media and my phone, but now it is becoming a career. And it's hard to make that separation. Like, I love to be obsessed about things. And I love to surround myself with art. But the more I'm in this sphere, and I know that so many people have dealt with it, like there is like a toxic element of like being only in that. And it's, it's not because of the art, it's because of the social media and the attention and the presence and just always being tuned in and just feeling like if you're going to go on a trip, you're like, oh shit, I can't check my phone for two days. Like you're going to start panicking. And you know, it's, there's a lot of things that go into it. Like I've had a lot of friends just change their attitudes, like not, not really towards me, but over time, like the more, you know, they they grow in the space like you know it's hard to stay this authentic creator and i think that's everyone's goal and like if you have that motivational source like how do you make this healthy disconnect i guess with with social media and like this being your job because you know at my life right now it's it's kind of everything i do i'm, I'm ready to fully jump in starting literally tomorrow morning so it's funny that this conversation was brought up but it's uh 
where where's this line that you you kind of take this you know mental step for yourself like at least for you 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 came from a you know pretty like like sports driven background i know you're pretty dedicated in that and it carries over for photo but was it hard to disconnect because i could imagine like you know you're a, a swipe away from just being connected to the internet the whole time like how did you develop through that yeah great great question first off incredible story thank you for for sharing that with everyone i think it's um it's just a testament to your will and i, I don't see how you're not going to succeed in this space with the mentality that you have I think you're already winning in the sense that you have an open mind. And I think you've realized that maybe parents just like don't understand what we're doing and that's okay. It's a generational thing. I mean, it's, I didn't even know about this space one year ago. Um, when I was in college, I didn't even, Instagram wasn't even out. I had no clue that I was going to be a photographer or do Instagram for a living. So I think there's something to be said about going in with an open mind, letting life kind of steer you whichever direction or whichever opportunity kind of presents itself be confident to run with it if you think it makes sense and if you're passionate about it and um, the flip side of that is never feel stuck in your current path right like it's never too late to move on and pursue something else you're passionate about you're never stuck um, you only have so many years to work in your life right I mean how long are we going to work 30 40 years so it's ridiculous to try to <clears throat> think that you're stuck doing something your whole life because you have years and there's so much opportunity out there the internet is just like a plethora of opportunity. Um, but to answer your question, how do you not get down that rabbit hole and be consumed by the tech and consumed by your phone? It's an absolutely great question. Something that I always try to navigate and something I'm truthfully still not the best at. Um, cause there's always that desire, you know, like if you're, if you're on your phone, a job could pop in, someone could, could write you about an opportunity. You know, you want to have your phone to, to share in case something happens. Um, you don't want to miss out on stuff, especially in the NFT space when things happen so quick. You always want to be on your phone. I think the best advice I can give is try to find hobbies where your phone and social media can't come along with you, whether that's surfing, can't take the phone in the water, whether it's going to the to CrossFit class and I, I can't take my phone there, going on a bike ride, doing something with friends um, where the phone really like doesn't come into play. Like find friends whose life does not revolve around social media. It's great having colleagues who are in the space, but try to surround yourself, you know, once, twice a week with friends who don't do social media, who don't, who aren't photographers, who do something completely different in life where the phone is not even like uh, something they think about on the weekends. Um, that would be my best advice because I think if you fully consume yourself with people who do a certain activity or have a certain hobby and that's the only people you have exposure to, it's nearly impossible to pull yourself away from it. But if you're going to be the only person out of 10 friends who's on your phone, you're going to feel a little bit weird. So um, that's my best advice is to try to find activities, groups of people who do something completely different than you. Um, and that will kind of steer you away from the need to feel like you have to be on your phone to keep up with people. I appreciate that. Yeah. It's, it's just this weird flip because part of me says like, get obsessed with it. Like, surround yourself view like uh someone said earlier i think dave we're viewing images at like a rate that's insane compared to like back in the day and i used to be a big fan or still a big fan of photo books and like you know a photo book a collection of work over years of someone is great but seeing everyone post beautiful images every day i feel like i'm i'm using this as like a byproduct of learning so it's it's this weird back and forth of like how obsessed is a healthy amount of a set obsessed and 
it's it, yeah definitely like those backpacking trips to disconnect is great but everyone knows coming back and you open your notifications and you're just like oh god i do not want to pick through this but it's it's cool to see other people's perspective because at least in this world you know as much as there's community base like once you are editing sitting at your computer you're kind of alone so to speak so it's like you take these trips to to go hang out with people but then you come back and you refine yourself by yourself so it's yeah it's just nice to get some perspective that's outside of my own scope so i do appreciate that yeah i I don't i don't want to imply that obsession isn't like necessary to a certain level i mean i think anyone who finds great success in any industry or profession like rarely comes by pure luck or you know chance i mean i think everyone whether you look at athletes or musicians or artists they spent thousands and thousands, tens of thousands of hours dedicated to their craft. So it, it does take obviously a level of obsession to become really good at something you do. Um, but burnout's real too. You have to realize like there's incredible um, athletes who get burned out and quit young in their career. There's so many photographers I followed on Instagram who are incredible from you know 2013 to 2015 or 2016, and then I never saw them again. They just got over it. So I think you just got to always have a long-term vision of the space. Like don't burn yourself out, stay healthy, find ways to diversify what you do in business, what you do in your day. Um, it's all about a healthy balance and everything. So find those activities, like I said, that get you around a different group of people. Um, it doesn't have to be every single day, but I think even just like once a week, if you go do something kind of with different people, um, pay dividends, you know, years down the road. Yeah, I'd love to add as well, if I may, um, when you, if you decide to become a freelance artist and I mean, right now, like in order to do that, you need to be, uh, an effective communicator on these platforms. So it, it ends up, you know, you end up spending a lot of time in social media spaces. And I think what's really important to realize is like, for me, I used to work in advertising and it was great. Like it was so I could go into work, everything was taken care of. Like I, you know, I did my meetings, I, I did whatever kind of tasks I had to do. And then I got to like walk away at the end of the day from, from my job and I, and then have my social life. But if you make the decision to become, you know, a digitally based um, artist and you depend on networks like these, like you don't get to walk, you don't get that same division between your work life and your social life anymore because you are responsible for the entire ecosystem that will support you. So it is like, it is a job in a sense and in a sense you can treat treat it like such in that you need, just like you need a vacation or time away from your office job if that's what you're doing you need to basically schedule your own kind of vacations from social media because these are highly addictive systems that are you know designed to keep us engaged with them at all costs because every minute you spend on one of these platforms, somebody's making money off of it. So you have to be aware that like the psychological hooks that, that social media has on us are very well designed. And like Eric said, you got, you got to work to um, uh, mitigate and like find balance in your life. Cause it, it can drive you crazy. Like I definitely have mental health like issues from being on online for the past decade so much. But for me, the freedom and the ownership of my own time and direction in life is worth the um, 
kind of oversaturation and overexposure to information that we experience uh, on, on social media platforms. And I, I got to run. I wanted to thank uh, Eric and Dees and everybody for al- allowing me to, to speak so much. And I, I really like DM me if anybody wants to talk more. I, I'd love to chat. Congratulations, Eric. And I, I'll leave with one thought, uh, which is in response to um, someone's question earlier. I think she left, but there's absolutely like a lot of room for art and and artistic creative careers um like every every single thing we look at visually was made by an artist at some point and it's a hugely important thing and every screen and every advance in technology creates more space for people like us so if it's something that you're truly passionate about like absolutely pursue it and there's there's room and there's um the potential to have a great career and and those careers are more and more common as we get more and more into these spaces but yeah thanks thanks so much eric congratulations um to you and to to guy for the collection and um really looking forward to seeing everything unfold over the next few months as well cheers guys bye thanks dave yeah i appreciate that dave uh i don't know if you can still hear but uh that it's kind of background talks are super important and uh i think i'm gonna have to sadly jump as well (laughs) i have like two more boxes to take to storage and then i'm uh living in the car chasing the dream shooting a bunch of films so thank you again guys these kind of spaces are like i don't know is someone at least developing through the arts this is like super essential these conversations really don't happen um outside of these platforms uh, especially vocally hearing you guys speak about it and hearing the emotion in it it makes it real and uh as much time as i want to spend online that that pursuit of like authenticity is something that like means a, a lot to me so I appreciate you guys like taking the time and drawing from your life experiences to, to give some information because, you know, anything you can pass down, especially even people listening, like this, this is awesome. It, it really does help a lot. So congratulations again, uh, Eric, Norco guy. I know you're, you're always picking up some beautiful stuff, but this one is like, whew, I think this one's one of Eric's best, but either way, I appreciate this. Thank you Dees for holding the space and hopefully I'll talk to you guys again soon. Thanks, Jacob. You're you're gonna do great things, man. I can't wait to follow your journey. Um, just keep an open mind, and I think you're gonna do great things, man. So I'm excited to to watch it all unfold. And reach out if you have any questions, man. I'm I'm always available. Um, DMs here, DMs on Instagram. Happy to share strategy, how I approach pitch decks, what my media kit looks like, how I reach out to brands. Um, anything you think um, would be a value or you want to run by me pass it along dude that's huge definitely i just like to talk in general but thanks again catch you guys have a good night jacob well hey guys how's it going i'm late to the party here in the space but i'm I'm happy there's a, a photography space going on these i don't think we met yet but i've seen him in twin flames discord um just liking the liking the vibe here and all these conversations going on within the space and just what an inspiring time for the kind of the future of the internet and kind of just enabling people in a way that really hasn't been done before and i'm, I'm really excited to see how this is all going to unfold and how we can continue to build community with as photographers and artists and people who really want to follow their passion and try to make some money with it. 
you know, I could go into telling my story, but I don't know if that's really relevant or something you guys want to hear. But, you know, I, I agree with a lot of the points that people are talking about here with, you know, practices of slowing down and how to offset uh, social media burnout and, you know, success is kind of subjective. And, you know, you, you really have to be doing what you love, I think, you know, try to make ends meet with in the financial way. But, you know, just from personal experience, I, I made a conscious choice many years ago to, to work on my bike and, you know, the camera came along with me and I don't regret anything. It's totally made me who I am today. And, you know, I really look forward to, to being able to, to create some NFTs and try to get into this space. Yes. Yeah, so, um, I got into photography because of Justin, basically. It was Justin and then Kath and then talking to Guy and then everyone else who's been on stage, basically, um, whether it's Eric, Jay, Omar. Um, earlier, we were talking to, like, Dave, who I still don't have a piece from, but I need to get a piece from. Um, I, there's so many great photographers I want to support. It's crazy. I understand why guy and vince have these massive collections because you want to buy everything um there's so much good work out there but i like to do the photography spaces as a way to um try to get more attention on the space and show that there's more interest here than people think there is um just people need the platform to hear it the collectibles kind of dominate right now and they get a little tiresome. So it's nice to split it up and just say like, Hey, we're just going to talk about photography or art or something different this time. Oh yeah, dude. Good on you. I mean, it's, it's needed, you know, I mean, I feel like growth in the space is super young and people are just, just starting to get hip to it. And you know, it's, it's rad that you're, you're here creating a, a platform to, to amplify other photographers in the space because it's it's really a perfect fit for photographers who usually have pretty deep archives of work and you know are generally pretty selective and it, it's so Justin got you into photography that's pretty cool I know him here I've known Justin for for many years in, in Brooklyn he's involved with the Bushwick Community Darkroom for a long time before he moved to the west coast so he just was, got into the punks discord at the start of the year um, a couple of punks owners had bought Twin Flames. And after talking to him on Clubhouse in like January or February, it's pretty much like, oh man, I got to own one of these Twin Flames. And then at another point, I had bought another one because I just like them so much. But yeah, and then after talking to him, he's really vocal about the photography community and he's a pretty big advocate for looking into it for anybody who's ignorant. So he'll like force you. He'll be like, look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. And then, um, you know, after you see enough of it, you're like, okay, I'm in. <laughs> nice. It's pretty incredible that, that that just started in January for him. You know, I ran into uh, uh, my uh, friend of mine, Lucia, who's also in Discord. I'm trying to keep uh, get her uh, a little more involved in the Twin Flames Discord. But uh, she's she's actually the one printing all the, the artist proofs for uh, for the stuff that Justin is selling and sending to people. And I ran into her in the street on my bike and I'd seen her in a while. And she said, Oh, Justin sold 13 prints today. And I was like, what? He sold prints. I'm like, no, no, wait, this was like back in May. And I was like, wait, did he sell them as NFTs? And I, I did some research and I was just floored at the, 
at the prices that the work was commanding. And it just showed me, it kind of validated my, my thoughts of like, wow, there really isn't a lot of photography in this space yet. And just how deeply inspiring it is to, to be kind of on the beginning of the curve of seeing photography in the space and trying to spread the word of just really how, how big of an opportunity is for, for individuals. And yeah, I'm just, I'm doing all the research I can to try to, to, to do it right. And, it's cool that people there are around like you who have the the ability to, to purchase this stuff and, and collect it. But really the more important part being is, you know, the, the community building involved and, you know, the community surrounding the work and, you know, the work that Justin is doing and talks of a photography DAO and all of this stuff to, to empower other photographers is just incredible. It's something that we've spoken about at the, the darkroom back in the day for years, and there's never really quite been a platform for it. And I feel like blockchain is like built for this. It's just, it's just a really exciting time. I've never been more inspired in my life. <laughs> yeah, that's actually a really cool thing to mention, uh, Cooper. Hi, everybody. Um, I think that I'm kind of in a similar place as as you. It's like uh, almost just blockchain was built for this. You know what I mean? It's uh, it's it seems like a very encouraging space between both collectors and artists. I've also always felt pretty removed from the 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 companies, brands, individuals, whatever who actually wanted to collect my art or be a part of that um you know uh work potty it's like however big of a of a sale or a commission or a brand i would work for it was almost like an inverse relationship it was, it was it's like the bigger the brand that you work for the less personable it feels <laughs> you know what i mean and of, of course totally yeah, like it's 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 not true for every brand. I think there are some that do a better job of that than others. But for the most part, I think the biggest jobs that I've I've ever gotten were some of the most disconnected from um, how I would hope that I would feel like like dealing with art and people who you know love art. And I think in this space and TNFT world it kind of gives you an opportunity to connect with the collectors as people you know what i mean as humans as as people who just enjoy art and actually want to invest in your story and your and your background and um you know why you create the art that you do and where it comes from more than just investing in like a look or a style or a beneficial like uh you know whatever i think that it's uh it's just a cool time to be a photographer um or an artist just like of any kind also eric congratulations and that's uh that's huge and amazing and kai congratulations to you as well that's um that's the coolest ale i've seen in a while and some i mean just like wild pictures it's awesome 
Jay, I, I appreciate it, man. Um, I think you hit on a key point is a lot of times when you're dealing with the bigger brands, um, you don't really have that personable layer. You know, you feel like you're kind of being used for just a quick job or for your audience or, or whatever it ends up being, why they hired you. Um, it becomes less about kind of like the relationship you're building and just more about a, a one-off transaction. Um, so I think for me, like over the years, I've obviously the one-off jobs are always going to come up um, and you kind of navigate what makes sense to take and what makes sense to kind of turn down. But I think you, over time, you just realize the relationships are so crucial. Um, it's an introverted profession, kind of obviously taking photos a lot of time, you know, you work with people occasionally, but a lot of times you're alone, you're editing alone. Yeah. So your interactions with, you know, peers and clients are at the end of the day, what might get you the job or what might get you that next job. So I always tell people, like, try to be fun to be around, um, be enjoyable to work with, contribute to a positive environment, um, make it feel like even though you're the photographer and you're the person creating the stuff for the brand, um, make it feel like a team environment. So obviously, like, they're probably, like, doing some planning on the back end. So I always try to show them, like, the end product when they're actually there in person um, and make them feel like they contributed to getting that, um, make it feel like it was a team team effort to get the end result more so than just you know you pumping out content or something like that for lack of a better term so i'm a big believer in winning as a team versus uh winning as an individual yeah absolutely i think that's a uh, that's yeah a perfect point to make i um i i i, th I think that it's a it's kind of what the entire you know art concept and photography nft world is 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 heading towards right now i i see so little competition mindset here and it's just uh it's really really cool to see and it's 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 not only i think beneficial to art as a whole but perhaps more importantly it's beneficial to artists like in their you know heads and their mental states and everything like that i mean i think that the wallet is not the most important part of an artist's life you know what i mean and like being appreciated and seen and valued and feeling like your peers are there to support you but so are your collectors you know what i mean it's just a it's an incredibly encouraging thing to feel and um yeah cool time to 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 be here for sure yeah i think jay really hits on a lot of great points there as well as being, you know, so connected with the people who, you know, you mentioned, you know, being on like a larger platform or say an Instagram and I've just been waiting around for something to change. And like, what is really the breaking point of like, you know, the, you see the same photos and the same kind of collaborations and it's just, you know, you're not, no one's really being empowered. There's always this middleman. And, you know, I think we're at the beginning of a really big sea change in, people waking up to the power within this space. I mean, I'm, I'm still super new to the space, but you know, it's just, it's so exciting to be a part of something that is empowering to an individual. It's empowering to your collector, you know, as, as a, as someone who's a fan, you know, you can really engage with them on a different level. It feels like, and the, you know, every, everyone benefits for the first time. It's not like, you know, someone's on a pedestal and you collect this work and you're just like this participant or spectator. It's like everyone, everyone can, can take part and have a voice and, and thrive together. You know, if the value of your work goes up, 
the person who collects your art also benefits on a secondary market. And I just, you know, that over a stretched out time horizon is just going to make everybody thrive. And I think that's one of the most encouraging aspects of, of getting involved in this and something that you can tell skeptics as well, instead of, you know, for the first time you're able to like invest in, in someone's story and who they are as a person and what they're passionate about, as opposed to just, something that's transactional transactional and then they're just gone you know it's uh there's accountability there's you know so far really good vibes everyone's super encouraging and you get validated which is cool but you know and eric touched on a good point too where you know as a photographer it's pretty isolating uh you know personally speaking i can totally relate to that i mean I've been working as a bike courier in New York for many, 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 many years, and, and the winters are, are rough, and, you know, my, my best company is my camera, and, you know, it, it's just, it gets really rough, and I've never really made money with photographs, but I take photographs because I love it, and it's able, I'm able to, to travel time and transcend what my experiences have been, and, you know, in the end, at the end of the day, you know, it, it's really just for me, but if I can share you know, my unique experience with people. And now this is really the first time that I feel like other people who are interested in what you do are able to, to thrive with you. And I think we're just at the precipice of something so much larger than, uh, than what we even think we were at. Also, congratulations, Eric, on a drop. I dropped into this space late, but I see you have your, your NFC drop up there and congrats, man. Thanks. I, I really appreciate it. I'm just so excited that um, the direction we're all headed together. I think that Dave hit on it a little bit earlier before he left the room. When you strip back the vanity metrics that other platforms have, you know, a lot of times the success of your shoot or the work you're putting out relies on the reach or the impressions or whether the brand thinks that you checked the boxes that they were hoping you checked when you, you know, did a project. Um, those are all kind of dissolved now. So it's just about the relationship between the artist and the collector. And I think when the transaction happens, typically both entities are pretty happy. So you're removed away from kind of that secondary later where people are analyzing it down the road to see if, you know, everything worked out. Um, obviously everyone wants art to appreciate over time. Um, so that would be the one thing that I'd be curious to see kind of a year or two down the road, how that kind of plays out. But I think it's just really nice where we don't have to worry about a lot of the metrics that quote unquote drive success on the other platforms. And also guys, I think I got a bounce in. Um, I got a newborn. She's almost four months old and um, did pretty good sneaking out for a couple hours, but I think I got to go back and help with her a little bit. Um, but I, I really appreciate everyone asking me the questions. The support's just been incredible. Um, like I said, I, I'm, I love trying to be as transparent as possible with everything. If you ever have a question, business, photography, like life, related, honestly, anything, I'm happy to help out in any way that I can. Um, feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter, on Instagram, um, whatever's easiest. I'm always here. Um, and I really appreciate all you people again. Um, coming in and just giving me so much love um, feels incredible. So thanks so much. Thanks Deez for hosting this again. I really appreciate um, putting a spotlight on the photography community. Uh, it feels great. Hey man, thank you for coming out and talking with us. I really appreciate your time and go spend some time with the wife and the baby. <laughs> thanks. We'll do. Thanks guys. Later. Congratulations, Eric. Nice to meet you, man. See you again. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Congrats.